and we're gonna go live and we're live good afternoon everyone hopefully you're doing well wherever you are on this lovely planet I'm here in Southern California it's a beautiful day I'm out in the field away from the office have quite a few meetings today and having a blast of an evening planned as well but um, so good to see each and every one of you here on my 210th episode of the Beast of Tech Tuesday. Yes, 210. Can you believe it? 210 Tuesdays, going bananas, doing what I love, interact interacting with all of you, my family from all around the globe. I appreciate each and every one of you indeed. See some love already. Hello, PDI Design Innovations. So for those of you who don't know PDI, they have this very beautiful ducktail that fits amazingly well on Caymans and Boxsters. Check them out. I have it on my own Twin Turbo 987. Just great individuals indeed. Good afternoon, Ashin Campbell. Hopefully you're doing well. I think you're in California as well. Good evening, Vi Belkow. Belikow? Is that how you say it? Good evening to you indeed. I know where you are, but no matter where you are, good evening indeed. Grissis D. Hezzy. Hello, what's up to you as well? Hello, six. Oh my god, he's so weird. Six AP1. I was sending um a file to one of my clients and so an email I sent to you around your beautiful red how should I say S2K that's supercharged so I just thought of you this morning so good to see you indeed my friend type R good afternoon good seeing you so I'm not in the office in a beautiful setting with a bunch of vehicles behind me I'm just here in a in a hotel getting ready for some meetings which is pretty good huh um, BC when you went F22 asked Chillis EF in the CRX what knuckles did you use? Well, I assume you mean upper knuckles for the suspension. I use Integra, Integra knuckles. You know, they fit on the EF very nicely. They give a very nice range of motion, are quite stronger. So that's what I did. And earlier on, I used like some coilovers from Ground Control, but ended up improving by going to suspension from the Progress Group. So they're here on Instagram. They're in Anaheim, not too far away from here in California, uh, Placencia, better yet and try and use their, their wares. It, it allowed me to really hook up nicely. And they, they're they experts in suspension technology and they can definitely take good care of you, indeed. Hmm? All right, let's see here. And if, if it's not suspension knuckles, let me know which one you're referring to. Ashton Campbell said, I'm in New York. Want to come to California one day, maybe visit the shop. That'd be good. Ashton Campbell, I don't know why I thought you were up north. For some reason, I thought you had a crazy Supra in Northern California, but nonetheless, I hope you're staying nice and warm out there. I believe you guys have some crazy storms. Today, it's like 80 degrees out here in SoCal. And it's going to get even hotter as the week progresses. So, it's a beautiful day indeed, but our temperature is quite different from what you guys are experiencing on the East Coast. Harlem World, says Mark Hudson. Good seeing you indeed. Civic Coupe EX, DCZ6, one of my favorite engines. So, it's good, so good to uh, see that you are having some fun with that engine. If you remember, I honed my teeth in nitro aspirated D16s. And D15s, and then when I went turbocharged, I did crazy stuff 700 plus horsepower on a D16 Z6 in my wagon. So, yeah, Yogi Yogi 9 says, I'm from Pakistan. We have too many K cars here. Have you ever come across K car? Yes, there's some that are imported from Japan, and I've gone to many local car shows in Southern California. You know, car, the car culture here in the state is just bananas. So, you can see everything from lifted trucks to low riders to race cars to K cars. So, yes. Um, a few Mitsubishis, a few old school Hondas. Yeah, we've had some K cars here in Southern California that I've seen firsthand. When the day you're meeting says, how do you say it? Ready Regged LA. Thank you so much for the kind words. All the best to you as well. 
Daka Shays, big up to you as well. Thank you so much for joining us all the way from Jamaica. Motik N, hello sir. He says, greetings. Can you point me in the right direction to go over drive? I don't know where to start. Oh my God, Motik N. If you're talking about on your Vlasta, that is very invasive. It really is. But there's a way you can do it quite efficiently. But it's invasive. Okay, first of all, I don't know if you're aware of this, but your engine has the same bolt pattern as an Evo. Okay? So, you can use Evo gearbox, or if you want to just go bananas, Quave has an all-wheel drive sequential that can bolt onto your power plant. And then with that, and since you're going MoTeC, it'll make things much easier. Your factory ECU doesn't get upset. You can definitely go a sequential Quave all-wheel drive. You have to modify quite a bit your tunnel to allow for a drive shaft. You can use knuckles from something that's commercially available, like an Evo, for the rear adapt accordingly and you can have a lot of fun it's just i don't know if the benefit outweighs the cost which is pretty interesting you know so um that being said anyway yeah so it, it's it's a lot of surgery in your car it can be done but it's going to be very expensive but that is what i would do so instead of you making a crazy adapter plate and going crazy with some kind of gearbox there are options that bolt up directly to your power plant what is your opinion about people swapping K motors on S2000 as 6AP1, Luis? Well, I think it's really cool. I, you know, from what I gather from my clientele, 6 is that it's a cost thing because S2000 engines, AP1, AP2s, we're looking at the F20C or F22C, they become ridiculously expensive. And you can get K24s, I have, I have a K24 for like 1200 bucks. You know, you can get K24s really cost effectively. You can get K24Z7s. I bought one as cheap as $300, right? So from a cost perspective, instead of spending, you know, four, five, six thousand $6,000 on a low mileage AP1 or AP2 engine, you have a K-series op you know, opportunity there. And then there are companies out there that make adapter plate kits that allow you to very seamlessly bolt on an S2000 engine, I mean gearbox, sorry, to a K-series engine. So it makes it very easy. And since they both rotate clockwise, it's not a challenge. It's not like you can put a B-series in there or H-series because they rotate opposite directions, right? But the clockwise rotation of the F20C lends itself to a very easy swap with the K-Series. So I don't think it's a bad thing, especially from a cost perspective. Um, there's a little bit of complexity with a duct plate and the flywheel and mounts, but it's cool. And it's becoming more and more popular. People are even putting K-Series in NSXs. We had recently guys from, you know, Turn 14 and Dayashiara put a K-Series, or S2000 in this case, K-Series type variant, into a Mercedes-Benz. So yeah, it's happening and I am all about it. Ashikamba said, ha ha, I said super, and I'm an RB guy in Quattro. I, I, I feel you, bro. I didn't know where my mind, maybe you have a screen name that's similar to someone else, but I really thought you had a, a honestly, like a 1200 horsepower, silver and blue, that's what I'm picturing, silver and blue, uh, uh, um, um, just, just Mark IV. <laughs> you know, just really clean and really powerful. And he rode racing, and anyway, I did so. I, that's what I thought. Jokai23, hello, good seeing you. Huckleberry Finn, where have you been? Check your messages from me. I tried to reconnect. Okay, Huckleberry Finn, I will check it out. I get so many messages daily. And I will go into my message box and see what's going on, okay? I promise you. Your F22 CRX, what year integral knuckles, spindles did you use? Oh my god, it's been a while. Um if my memory serves it correctly. Oh, I'm not sure if it's first gen integra. Or if it was a DA. It's one of those two. I don't remember. I did this modification and 98? <laughs> it's been a long time. It's been a long time. So I, it's either 
first generation Integra, which has a D16 um, A1 engine, twin cam, or it was a DA with a, D, with a you know, B17. I don't remember. I don't remember. I don't. Forgive me. Um, I'll look it up and, and get back to you. Good day, DJ Ramaroff. How are you? Hopefully all is well. Oh, DJ Ramaroff, we should have your 5W30 first week, about first week of March. Okay, so hang tight in there. Rogers, yo, BC, I'm building a 93 Integra. I want to make some decent power on my B18A. Any advice? Yes. So, of course, I hone my teeth in natural aspiration, right? So, doing you know, intake, exhaust, engine management solutions, if your region allows you to do so, is the kind of the first step to really have a lot of reliable power. Then you go with camshafts and valve train, and then you can focus on the head, depending on what you want to do. But if you want best bang for buck, I mean, the amount of power you can get for every amount of dollars spent, turbocharging is the cat's meow. And the B18A, there's so many exhaust manifolds out there, from Full Race to Speed Factory to some other smaller brands. The manifolds out there can be cost-effective. Turbochargers from Turbonetics, um, Precision, Garrett, there's so many options there for you as well. Engine management is fa fantastic. If you want to keep your stock engine, you can use the factory map sensor and limit your boost to 10 PSI because that's how much the stock map sensor can handle. If you want to go to town, if you want to hover in the 400 range safely, or you need a pistons and rods, you can keep your manifold, you can keep your stock camshafts, definitely want to upgrade your valves train, you know, springs and retainers, maybe even valves. And you can very easily have a 400 horsepower setup that's extremely reliable with injectors. Don't, don't go flex fuel with E85. Oh my God, it's like you have reliability and, and, and just power to boot. So those are some of the options. Bang for buck, turbocharging by far is cost effective and gives you a lot more. Back in the day, you were, I was talking about in the late 90s a moment ago, to boost your setup will cost you tens of thousands of dollars. Now, if you're doing a lot of work yourself, you can do that for, you know, in the five, 6,000 range and have a ton of power. And if you definitely end up sleeving it, the sky's the limit. Four digits you could go, depending on what you want. So what I would do if you're in California is a bit of a challenge because of the EPA and CARB and all that stuff. But even in other parts of the country and you're allowed to do modifications of the such, you have tons of opportunities you can explore and have a good time doing it as well. Okay, let's see. On the JDM, on the JDM, I miss it sometimes. Oh, the JDM were the days. Yes, yes, we... You know what's really cool? A lot of us here in the United States looked up to Japan. A lot of people in Japan looked up to the United States. But the U.S. were way faster. Japan had companies like Spoon um, and Mugen and Arasaki Moto and, you know, all these other small companies that did stuff, but it was very tame. And they, they say, the Japanese say they were balanced, right? But they couldn't make power. They just couldn't. There's no way a spoon engine will outdo stuff that we do at DCMO. It's just not possible. But we admired their style and their, and their panache and all that good stuff. But the power was really, really, really cool. Really cool. Once again, said, thanks for the input. Saw on the end form, someone's going to yet get a call. Oh, the Kona all drop. I don't know if it's going to. I don't know if it's going to hold the power. <laughs> we'll see. We'll see. Um, yeah, that, that may work. It's just the, the, if you look underneath your car, you see the tunnel doesn't lend itself very well to all-wheel drive, right? There's some, some sections that are not very, very easy to set up, but we'll, we'll see. I'll be curious to what your, your partner does. My pleasure indeed, 6AP1. My pleasure indeed. Weekly reminder of how t fast time flies since Exo Truck. I agree, brother. I agree so much. Things have been just crazy. But you know, when you're very busy, time goes by very quickly, doesn't it? Hmm? Okay, um, Asian Motorsports is running eight seconds in Killian, Texas, in a K-Series all motor. So, yeah, it's very possible. I mean, God, we've been doing front-wheel drives, eights all motor for years. You know, 
even in our own car, we ran low nines in like early 2000s, mid to early 2000s. So yeah, I expect our motor, especially with the fuels that are allowed nowadays, for sevens not to be too far away. I expect it, indeed. Are there any benefits to swapping from a four-speed auto to a seven-speed CVT? Well, it, uh, so CVTs, those transmissions um, have a variety of belts inside and in, you know, the theory around that is where it gives you this flat torque curve. You can have a lot more gears to keep you in the power band. And the fact that you have almost infinite ratios allows for a nice smooth transition as you go up in acceleration and speed. So that being said, in terms of smooth capability, yes. In power handling capability, the clutch packs and automatics seem to do very much better than CVTs. But just smooth delivery and the ability to have infinite ratios are some of the advantages of going CVT. Good afternoon, R35R13. Good seeing you indeed. Roger SJ saying, yo, BC, I'm building a 93 Integra. I want to make some decent power on my B18A. Any advice? So, Roger, as I just mentioned earlier on, you can stay natural aspirator with intake header exhaust and tuning. You can take a step further with, you know, um, camshafts and valve train. But, as I mentioned earlier, for best bang for buck, turbocharging by far is the way to go. You can do 300 plus horsepower on a stock block. Definitely upgrade your valve train because, you know, then what would the valve springs do? Valve springs have the daunting task of not only taking care of dynamics that exist with the camshaft going up and down, and the valve train springs going up and down, and the valve itself going up and down. It now with turbocharging has the additional function of keeping boost active, meaning the valve and the springs now have to act against heavy pressure. So if you have very old springs, you may experience float, you may experience not ideal boost settings because of it, because every time boost hits, even when you want the valves closed, they tend to like push and open up a little bit. So that being said, what I always advise all of my customers, and I do all my projects, even if it's a stock setup, I at a minimum upgrade my springs followed by my retainers to keep float at bay. If you float valves, that means you now have a, an environment where the valve maybe ski jumps off of the tip of the lobe of the cam itself, you have no control whatsoever. Best case scenario, you lose power. Worst case scenario, you can have valve-to-valve -valve contact or piston-to-valve contact, drop a valve and destroy your engine. And the bad thing about turbocharging is that when particles start shooting out the exhaust, guess where it goes? Right in the turbine and destroys your turbo. So you have a lot more to lose if you do tend to have a damaged turbocharger setup. So that being said, um, it's better to always begin with the end of mind, save up, do it right the first time so you don't have any challenges because reliability is key. What's the purpose of going fast if you're not reliable, right? Doesn't make sense at all. Is there any benefit, says Ashen Campbell, for having a separate header for each cylinder or a collector? This would be for a nitro drag engine. With nitro, this is nitromethane, okay? With very high concentration of nitromethane, there is no need for collectors to work. It's just energy being created with this violent explosion. And the number one property is to get the exhaust gases out of the engine to allow more clean fuel to come in. When you don't have a lot of nitro or in standard petrol or alcohol-based engines, the collector is there to allow for what is known as inertia scavenging. This inertia scavenging is akin to you standing on the side of a road and then a truck or a big lorry drives past you at speed. 
And you know what happens if you stand inside a road and a truck goes past you, you kind of like tilt over in the same direction of the travel of the automobile, kind of tilt over. Same thing happens with exhaust pulses in internal combustion engines. And when you don't have this crazy task of having to evacuate as much air as possible as in nitro, you sometimes need help in pulling exhaust gases or remnants of exhaust gases in the previous combustion cycle in the combustion chamber itself. Meaning, when you combust, when, you, when a piston comes down, the valve's open, and you bring in this nice collection of, of an air-fuel mi mixture, and then you compress it and ignite it, when exhaust gases do form, and you open the exhaust valve and let it out, there's always these small remnants of exhaust gases that are always inside the combustion chamber that contaminates the next intake charge in the next cycle. When you have a header or a collector, what the header does is it takes a cylinder that already has evacuated its pulse of exhaust gases and helps pull the cylinder next to it that has exhaust and intake you know, quite open at overlap and hence tries to pull out some of that exhaust gases and replace it with good intake air during overlap. So the collector does a job in helping with inertial supercharging or inertial scavenging, I should say, and then you have a cleaner mixture which then relates to more power. That's why when you have a very well-designed header, you make good power at certain RPMs because that's where the engine is most efficient thanks to the header and that's where inertial scavenging happens the best. And you can move that around based upon the length of your collector from the exhaust valve itself. There are parameters that exist in terms of what harmonic you want to be able to capture to allow that to work the best as well. So that's why you see some short, short headers do a great job in creating top end power. Some longer headers do maybe mid-range and super long headers do one bottom end because it helps take advantage of that opportunity. So that being said, uh, for those of you where it may be a little bit much, just keep in mind that yes, collectors and headers help with engines where that's an opportunity. In the heavy nitro stuff like you may see in NHRA racing, the key is to get as much exhaust ex you know, gases out as possible and the collectors are not as important. So yeah, I hope that answers your question properly, Ashen Campbell, that I thought had a Supra. Forgive me, but it loves RB. Okay, let's see here. Uh, the background, uh, Pachanga, you missed it. So West Coast Alex is my good friend. We raced for years. Um, no, I'm not at a shop. I'm actually out and about. I have meetings like crazy. And uh, I have this great surprise that will be dawned upon me later on today. Which I'm very excited. I'm going to share with you guys. I'm so excited about today. So much great stuff is happening. Anyway, I don't want to give too much away. I want to surprise each and every one of you. Okay. Time Attack Autocross Focus, says Vi. Oh, so if that's the case, um, natural aspiration is good in terms of the B-Series, but also a small turbo also gives you still more bang for buck. And I was, when I say small turbo, can you go as small as a T25 to get the most bottom end power and just go crazy with your, your circuit racing? But if you're doing some crazy time attack, you may go larger because you know power and being able to do a few laps with the best time is key. So in B-Series, you can go with a 57, 58, dare I say even a 60-millimeter compressor, inducer, to be able to get you the most power possible. So yeah, my parameters still stand true, depending on your goals and budget. Epuba says, Asian Motorsports, EG Civic, right? Elmore's all motor case. Yes, it's crazy. It's Like I said, guys, um, uh, Epuba, it's been done. I mean, wow, you think about those who love K-Series, Norris Prionto ran eights over a decade ago, all motor. So did... Jeremy Lukowski. So it's been done for quite a while. Yeah, there's a lot of eight-second all-motor cars. And us, when F-Series single cam, we ran 920s like, God, mid-2000s, mid to mid early 2000s. So yeah, 
it's been done. But it's pretty cool. I expect people to go much faster nowadays. And like I said, you know, with the fuels people are running now, sevens are within reach. Roger says, you're the man, bro. Thank you for the kind words. One of these days, I would love to shake your hand. Thanks for all the inspiration, man. Thank you for the kind words. I appreciate you indeed. Thank you so much. All right. 93 CB7 engine swap suggestions. 93 CB7, you have two options. Easy option, number one, H22. H22A, H23, even the blue top, there's so much opportunity there where you stay all motor or boosted. That's an easy swap. If you want to really go for the cat's meow, a K24. That would do it indeed. And Hasport has mounts for either one. Mav, respect for you, man, says uh, Brian Bass Bassman. Thank you for the kind words, Brian. Appreciate that indeed. Just went to BMW M Driving School in Thurman. It was so dope. I heard about the Elias Churchill. I heard that was a really good program. Absolutely awesome. God, I'm sure you had a good time. I have never been or raced on thermal track. That's one of the tracks in Southern California that I need to put on my bucket list and make it happen. What is your take, says Rendezvous, about cars moving to electric? My take is, I love it, right? I love it. Air-cooled and water-cooled is the shirt I'm wearing because I'm a big petrol head. If you had a discussion with me, let's say as far back as 2018, I didn't want anything to do with anything electric at all. Fast forward to today, because of all my partners, American Honda, Porsche, Hyundai, Ford, all these people moving to electrification, I felt that it's time for me to really grasp this and really see what all the hoopla is about, even though I didn't care for it. And hence the K3V, the Porsche K3V, that pink and, and, and slate gray 935 that we built, was my first foray into the EV world. And the first time I drove it, I was just blown away. And the toy just came out, right? So we just have the Titsuma toy that was launched on Sunday. So even if you don't want to buy the full-size K3V, you can have it in a very small 164 scale. It's on our website now, Titsuma's site, limited quantity. I don't limit a thousand of them, and after that, it's done. No more. So that being said, um, I think it's great. The one thing about EVs is a performance. And there is a sound to it. A lot of people say, oh, it's so quiet. It's not. Mine, it sounds like a supercharger. A lot of manufacturers go out of the way to make it quiet because they want to appeal to a mass audience. But it does have a nice intoxicating sound. When you race an EV vehicle, you, you, you feel more connected with the tarmac. You hear the pebbles. You hear the you know the tire feedback much better. You feel the steering wheel. It's almost like petrol engines tend to dampen that a bit. And it doesn't make sense that you drive on a track in an electric vehicle that's performance-based. I don't care about putting around, so all my clients and what I do with my EV conversions are all performance-based as well. I'm a huge advocate of fail-safes. I think it's the right direction, and the one thing about it is the torque. I'm telling you guys, I talked about this a couple of Tech Tuesdays ago. For those of you who love performance, right, drag racing, how much would it cost you with a petrol car to build a low 9-second street tire drag car? Well, you can take 150000 or so, buy a plaid Tesla Model S and you can run low nine stock. Bone stock, fully loaded, ungutted, full tilt bone stock. So it's crazy. So I think it's a good thing. Being a, uh, an enthusiast first before an engineer, I think it's really amazing that we now have opportunities to explore going fast with different means of propulsion. Um, I find hybrids, performance hybrids, alluring as well because it gives you the best of both worlds it gives you that sound especially if it's boosted like the nsx the latest nsx right where you have the electric motors to get you off the line and then the petrol to really you know tantalize your senses but i have zero qualms with performance evs are pure electric and for me my daily driver now is electric i have a kona right there i have a kona uh ev 
and it's on bags, on, on, on Toyota tires, with an inner box up top, air ride equipment did the, the bagging on it. It's absolutely amazing with some, some Titan 7 wheels. It's really clean. And I don't remember the last time I even touched the pump, you know? So that being said, it's pretty cool. I like it. I like where it's going. I love all means of propulsion. I love all cars. I'm not marquee specific. I'm not propulsion specific. I love them all. As long as it goes fast and it's fun, I am so down. All right. Joji says, in Pakistan, many swap a 1JZ GTE and 2JZs in the RX-7s. That's pretty cool. And RX-8s. Does it affect balance of these cars? It can if not done properly. You know, the, the, the cool thing about the Wankel engines, or the rotary engines, that they provide this package that's extremely lightweight. So, one thing that a lot of people make a mistake of doing is like putting, you know, RBs in or 2JZs, which are iron blocks and much heavier, which will upset the balance of the car, but there's a way to counterbalance that, and it's by doing suspension modifications. So, the same thing happened with me with the electric Porsche I just meant, I just told you guys about. The electric Porsche is much more balanced than, let's say, the standard air-cooled engine that is very, how should I say, rear biased. But now with the battery packs and my EV setup, it's more balanced and leaving the suspension by itself as factory, I had these weird oscillations when I was driving and it didn't invoke confidence. And I had to redesign my entire suspension, use the right spring rates and right valving and then now it's amazing. And the same thing has to happen whenever you take something like an RX-7 or RX-8 and put a much heavier prop on the front, it can do something very similar. It can have a lot of weird oscillations and not invoke confidence when driving and racing. And suspension modifications is key. So, that being said, converting to a nose heavier FR layout, yes, can upset, but with suspension modifications, can be rectified. Chilis EF said, my last 15 minute break is at noon. Thanks for starting on time and answering my questions. Back to work. We'll see you next week, Chilis EF. I'm going to be departing very soon as well. Exotruck said, I'm a Subi guy. Yeah, I do remember that. I got to hand it to all the seven-second Hondas running nearly stock CRV all-wheel drive product. I think it's only been three Subarus in the sevens. Yeah, it's pretty crazy. You know, not only... They're doing some crazy stuff with the CRV stuff. They do modify them internally because the clutch packs don't hold. But you know the old-school wagons, like the wagon that I built, Exotruck, that blue wagon? The original all-wheel drive wagon pumpkin, that thing is pretty freaking robust. Hard to find. I have one in stock. I'm holding on to it, but I have to let it go because I'm not doing anything sitting in my garage. I need to go out in the field and have fun with it. Anyway, but yeah, it's it's bananas how you can have components from earlier Hondas that is just so over-engineered. It allows us to do crazy stuff. So yeah, I agree with you. Something about an all-wheel drive Honda, it just feels unnaturally amazing, <laughs> you know, which is really good, you know? Roger said, thanks, um, forgive me for asking, I didn't realize it's late. No problem. I, you know, I'm here to answer. And some people may have missed my answer to your question, which helps everyone else. And me being able to reiterate it did help quite a bit. So my pleasure indeed. My pleasure as well. Dank of shades. Ah, oh, ready for Super Bowl? Uh, Duke, you know what's weird? Duke, my brother, I am... Um, I'm not a football guy. I am... Um, I'm one of those weird engineers, I guess, that really don't care much about football. So please don't, don't be upset with me. I'm just not my thing. I know that LA is going to be crazy. I may just leave LA during that time because I won't be anywhere near Los Angeles during that time. It's going to be pretty crazy. Danny GSR says, King BC, thanks for the kind words. Good seeing you indeed, sir. Hopefully you are doing well. <laughs> BC says, VF Swap Z4. Do you have a VF Swap Z4? That's pretty cool. I'm taking the V8 route of my car and going electric because of you. Wow. Glad to be of service. Doing two large U-Drive units, one up front and one in the back, using Lone Star EV power pack instead. Interesting. 
I'm not familiar with the Lone Star EV power pack. Let me know. Is that a battery setup? I'm not familiar with them. One thing I do know that you can do um, with, with ease, and I can help you with that as I'm a distributor for them, is using the AEM controller. Because you can use the AEM VCU and control up to four of the drive units that you're playing with. So that being said, if you need help with that, let me know, and I will hook you up. Instead of a battery pack, a Lone Star EV Let me, I'm so, I am all ears. I'm all ears. Reliability, cheap, fast. You can only pick two and it won't be the third one. I hear you, he's right. Reliable, cheap, fast. You can't have all three. BW wheels, that's a very popular saying, especially in drag racing circles. You're right. You can have something that's reliable and cheap and it won't be fast. You have something that's fast and reliable and it won't be cost effective. Or you can have something that's, you know, fast and cheap and it'll break easily. So thanks for sharing that. You are absolutely correct. All right, let's see here. Oh my God, so much love here. I appreciate all of you. Thank you so much. My pleasure indeed. Ashton Campbell saying thank you. Explanation is on point. I appreciate the kind words. Okay, let's see. When people run nitromethane, says R3513, does it need to be temperature before add, use or add? I, I, I don't. Okay, you said when people run nitromethane, does it need to be temperature before each use or add a adjective? I don't quite understand your question. Please rephrase that. I, um, when people run nitromethane, they do combine it with methanol. Um, when your concentrations of nitromethane go up, because it's it's this this violent hydrocarbon, you know, is quite challenging in terms of control. So it, the, some of the burning capabilities are creates a lot of heat, but it can also be very unstable. But as you go up in concentration, so is your need of being able to ignite it properly. So you maybe get away with lower concentrations with standard spark plugs and ignition systems, but you may have to start going magneto and doing crazy stuff when you start going up in concentration. And yeah, you have to also reinforce a lot of things. What you set up on a regular natural aspirator setup, the pistons, the rods, they won't handle the stress. It just doesn't. So you have to do some decent modifications, you know? The record for K-Series is 815 at 165. I believe that, Ashton Campbell, and it's gonna get better. I'm telling you, with the fuel, sevens are almost there. It's gonna happen. It's just gonna happen, you know? Milano Red EG6 says best way to turbo a K24A2 on pump gas 93 for daily and state to state drives plus all-wheel drive components. Hmm, you're asking for a lot of good things, but here's the thing. We mentioned that earlier, right? What I have done in my K24 is I use a sequential transmission from Quave, which is all-wheel drive setup already, and a CRV rear setup. And Using factory components gives you that factory liability. Of course, the clutch packs can't quite hold the power, so I upgraded you know, the clutch packs in the rear as well. Racing Diffs has this aftermarket, they're here on Instagram, they have this aftermarket clutch pack that is quite nice and can really withstand the rigors of, of, of madness, right? One thing that's key to allowing you to be very successful with your setup and drive state to state, where states allow you to do that, is an engine management solution that gives you knock capability knock monitoring capability. Like I love the AM Infinity, um, even the AM Series 2 allows that, allows you to monitor knock for each cylinder, because tuning is everything. If you don't tune your setup properly, it will not last, period. So for you to be reliable, you have to make sure that you have amazing tuning, the fuel ratios are on point, that knock is at bay, and you have a knock curve just like OEM does. So if you have a bad batch of fuel, or you're in an area that is extremely hilly, and you have some stressors going up a hill, and or you have a bad batch of fuel, the ECU can monitor and see, oh my God, there's some, some pre-ignition happening in this one particular uh, 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 um, cylinder, and it can add fuel and retard timing accordingly and keep you safe. So that's extremely key. 
also choosing the right components. Are you going to stay stock with the engine of the K24A2? And if so, hover at 400 wheel and below. And you can have a good time driving for tens of thousands of miles without any challenges. But if you're going to exceed that, sleeve your block, get pistons from Trom, get rods from Eagle, just do everything right. Valve train is extremely key. Just beginning with the end of mind and choosing the right components can go a long way in allowing you to be successful with your setup. Okay? So I hope that helps. Keep in mind, tuning is everything. All right. Is Porsche Experience Center still doing cars and coffee? Yes, they are. They did one recently. Um, but with COVID, it was really strange. You know, they had people sign a bunch of stuff and it's just, and it was social distancing and it was limited how many people were going in. But yeah, it's, it's still happening. Um, they haven't announced anything recently, but it's still, it's still, still going on. I did good 91. Says BC, long time no speak. Hope you're well, my friend. I am. I'm doing great. Kids are doing fantastic and hope things are well in your neck of the woods as well. I think Evos are zero or O. I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing. I think I think it's an O, not a zero. What if like turbo lag, can that be tuned into EVs? So are you asking, can you simulate lag in EVs? And the answer is yes. With a controller, even the AM controller, you can limit the torque output to simulate lag if you want to. So you know that, you know, I'm one of those guys where I'm kind of weird. I kind of like lag. My first wagon, wagon was crazy. I had a 67 millimeter turbo on it on a 1.6 liter engine. And you floor it, especially in third, it's, it's just, and then it comes on, it pulls up. I kind of like that feeling. It's almost like VTEC on steroids, right? So yes, Exotruck, you can. You can limit torque in certain RPMs and throttle positions to simulate lag. So what I mean by certain throttle positions is you can have no more driving when you're partial throttle. But when you floor it, you can set up your controller to be able to give you less torque onto a certain RPM or speed and then kick it in and you can initiate lag. So yeah, it can be done. It can be done indeed. What's your opinion on buying a 96 Honda Civic EK Coupe with a B24, 25? That's a smashing, if it's clean and a clean title, hell, that's a smashing deal. Do it, by all means, you know? Rendezvous says it's crazy to see how much EVs are taking out if they are. But you know, even today in the United States, it only makes up less than 7% of sales. So petrol cars are still key. Companies are coming out, you know, Rivian, Lucid, Tesla's still doing their thing, Hyundai, Porsche's joined the, you know, bandwagon, Audi's doing their own thing, Volkswagen's doing, like, everyone is jumping into it. Stellantis is coming out with, uh, you know, dozens of EVs, but this car is still being purchased today. Majority are still petrol-based, you know? I think EVs are cheaper vehicles, most mad torque and horsepower interestingly. It's just, yeah, in, in the... It can be, because you see all these videos on YouTube with Tesla, bone stock Tesla spanking built cars, right? And I showed what we did recently with, uh, with Acura um, at Irwindale, I think sometime last year or the year before, year before, where we had a bone stock NSX and we were out there just spanking petrol cars, slick down like Evos, slick down, um, um, there was this one car that was in particular, it was a base model, um, uh, Dodge, I'm trying to think if it was, um, uh, I think it was, um, he had an engine from a Hellcat, but it was in, a, I'm trying to think if it was in a base model Charger or Challenger, but I think it was a base model Challenger, so it was really lightweight, and it was on slicks, to the tilt, and in the eighth mile, the Bonestock NSX killed it, and how that happened? Because at the combination of the electric motors out the hole, with amazing launch control, right? And then the petrol engine, twin turbo to help it out. So here you have a 500 horsepower stock car 
beating a car that's way into 800s that was even slicked down. So yeah, it's, it's, it's amazing. It's amazing indeed. Waspeed Vincent says, do you have a plan to tune cars outside of the Western Hemisphere? Would you have a Bissamoto tuned E36 in the future? It's possible. So I've done E36s for clients. A lot of them on AM, Infinity, and so on and so forth. Um, and in the earlier days of Bissamoto, I did travel all around the world to tune. It was just so limited on my time. So I've gone to, United, you know, to Europe and did a bunch of tuning there. I've done some stuff in Africa. And definitely here in the United States, I've traveled around the country to be able to tune that. I don't do that much anymore. Uh, maybe if the opportunity arose, I'll do it. But yeah, I've done it before, by all means. Oh my God, Kovold, what is your question? I missed it. I'm so sorry. It's so many questions coming up. My apologies. Please, 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 please forgive me. Some don't care about watching sports. Would rather play, uh, but motoring is all day long. I hear you make it great, right, motoring. I'm the same way. Would you host an S2000 meters facility? You know, with the amount of S2000 clients I'm getting, it probably makes sense for me to do that. So yes, I would. Um, would you prefer if we had EVs before ICE? Danka Shades, would you believe that we actually did? The first cars that were for, for, you know, for consumption, especially in Europe, were electric. But very quickly, petrol engines for convenience passed them over. And then gave EVs a hundred year head start in technology, I would say, um, progression. So EVs start out initially. I think one of Porsche's first cars was an EV. And then now they're back again. So yeah, um, it doesn't matter what I prefer, it actually happened. Okay, well, my clock is now showing that my time is up. So guys, I'm so sorry, but um, I must fly. It's a pleasure seeing all of you on my 210th episode of Beast Tech Tuesday. I'll be here again, same time, same channel next week. And hopefully a much nicer background than this one. <laughs> so everyone, take care, stay safe, and see you next week. Bye-bye. Cheers.